Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined as ever with John. John, how are you, mate? Very well, Rob. Very well. Looking forward to getting into this. Enjoyed the last conversation about the top four battles across the different divisions in Europe. So I'm looking forward to zoning in on the relegation battles instead. Yeah, exactly. And you you took the words right out of my mouth. That's what we'll be uh, that's what we'll be discussing today. Is particularly the Premier League relegation battle, and then we've both got a league each kind of to mention briefly for you. Um, it's basically just something for our viewers for the rest of the season to kind of keep an eye on. Um, we appreciate that the top clubs get a lot of love, and actually now it's time to look into potentially the more interesting areas of the league. So I wanted to do a quick, I'll run a couple of these teams by you, John, but we'll start with a quick kind of well done. A few teams who potentially could have been in trouble, but either got their appointments right or have done some of their business right. So I'll start with Aston Villa, who are currently sixth in a European spot, despite looking with one eye over their shoulder when Gerard was sacked earlier in the year. Been class, right? Yeah, absolutely unreal. Um, don't think Unai Emery gets enough credit for how good of a manager he is, just because of the short stint at, at Arsenal but it was a proper coup to get him in as manager and he hasn't really you know, broke the bank in terms of transfers or anything like that. So it shows how good of a manager he is to be able to get the best out of the playing squad that he has available to him and what a job he's done. If he had been in a few weeks earlier, we'd probably be talking about Aston Villa at this minute in time being top four contenders, but maybe he was a few weeks too late, but what a job he's done. Yeah, I mean, they're not a million miles off the Champions League positions obviously their uh, brilliant result against Newcastle at the weekend still gives them a sniff um, I think they'll actually finish above Tottenham at this point Tottenham look awful and we have to go away to Villa with a few games left and yeah Emery again obviously PSG makes any manager not look brilliant but he did win trophies whilst he was there he had a better start to his life at Arsenal than Mikel Arteta did a um, mm-hmm. couple of fifth place finishes, I think, for Unai Emery. Um, certainly history will look back on that, I think, a bit, bit more favourably than it should have done. So, yeah, I think great manager and just suits the playing squad so well. He's made Ollie Watkins look like an absolute world beater. Yeah, I don't know what he's done with Watkins on the training pitch, but he his finishing capabilities have improved so much under Emery to the point he, you could see... If any of the top clubs came in, it would be a significant price tag you'd have to pay because he is English as well, but he could do the job anywhere with the way he's playing at the minute. Definitely. So my second candidate for well done, and again, I think they've just been so clear of this, it it almost looks horrendous putting them kind of in this conversation, but uh, it's a pat on the back because when Brighton had to get rid of Graham Potter and their back, and his backroom staff to Chelsea earlier in the season. You looked at that, and despite kind of a strong early start, you looked like they might be a team in freefall. But if anything, I actually think they're a better team under the Zerbi. Yeah, I would agree. I think, especially from an attacking perspective, um, under Potter, we've seen with this short stint at Chelsea as well, the tactics that he optimises and utilises doesn't really add much from an attacking perspective. 
Um, and I think Deserby with the same squad of players has made Brighton look far, far more uh, capable in attacking format than Potter's Brighton did. And you had the likes of, was it Merson? It wasn't Merson, it was somebody else. It was Graham Souness question Deserby because of his short stints at other clubs, but what a job he's done. And Hopefully he stays at Brighton for a wee while and solidifies them as a club, but you could see him going to the likes of Tottenham or Chelsea potentially again over the next few years if he continues to exceed expectations the way he's doing. Definitely. And nice, my final well done. Well, actually, I've got two more. Um, Both London clubs. Uh, One is Fulham, who again have looked so clear of relegation danger. It's almost offensive to say they were ever in it. Yeah. I mean, you would... They were very much in it in a lot of people's minds. Probably one of the favourites to go down earlier in the season. But again, probably another example to Watford as to why you just don't sack managers all the time. Marco Silva has proven himself at this point to be a top, top manager, getting Fulham back to the Premier League um, and solidifying their place in it. And a lot of people sort of thought once the Mitrovic ban was handed out, they'd effectively be on the beach, one foot in the sand. But they've come back in recent weeks with different formats, having to get used to not having their talisman. And especially last weekend, they performed really well. So he's done an incredible job. If they can hold on to top 10, then he'll have probably exceeded every fan's expectations before the start of the season. Yeah. And apologies if you're now hearing a completely different uh, quality of volume. Realised I didn't actually have my mic plugged in. So that was a great (laughs) start to this uh, this podcast. Um, Yes. Uh, to be honest, I completely agree with Fulham. I saw James Lawrence Olcott, who's normally pretty bang on, basically just give every team in the relegation zone who play Fulham a, a win, which obviously proved at the weekend was just disrespectful to do. And yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what becomes of Fulham next year with someone like Tim Ream, who's had a great season, be a year older. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they get figured out. But for this season, very, very well done. I think they'll be more than happy with what they've been able to achieve. And my final well done, uh, and I'm not counting these as part of it because I think they've potentially already actually got enough points, is Crystal Palace. We looked at this podcast and we went, Hodgson, really? Um, when he was kind of announced and Vieira was sacked. But you've got to say, he's been brilliant. Yeah, what a what a job. I think we've seen probably an increased number of teams in the Premier League go for that new manager bounce with the sacking of another manager and bringing someone else in because it's going to be so tight this season. And yeah, I mean, Hodgson's done incredibly well. I think it's nine points the last three games. Don't get me wrong, I still think it was probably an unfair sacking and Vieira would have got a lot of points from the games that they were playing. But the way in which he's made... The likes of Eze, Saha, Elise, you know, really pick up their game, that extra gear, and get the team over the line from a relegation battle perspective has been really, really impressive. Um, so fair play, holding my hands up, was definitely wrong from that perspective. But we'll see what happens with them long term. Yeah, I actually don't think it is unfair to say that Vieira, I, I think it is unfair to say Vieira would have won those. Obviously, Crystal Palace hadn't won a game in 2023. He hasn't got the same output that your Elise's, your Eze's have got. I believe the 5-1 victory against Leeds was actually done without Zaha as well, who's been their main attacking weapon for years. But yeah, if you look at the results, um, 2-0 away against Southampton, 5-1 away against Leeds, 2-1 against 
Leicester. If Crystal Palace lost all of those games, it's not just that they're nine points worse off. They would be in the relegation zone and behind a few of these teams now. So, um, yeah, I think have to say fair play, got the right man in. We don't know what the case is long term for Crystal Palace, but they've definitely done the right thing this season. Yeah, I think in terms of protecting their Premier League stature, they, they definitely have done. I think they've proven that already and they'll, the critics of that decision have tiptoed backwards and have definitely hidden in the shadows. So fair play to Steve Parrish um, and, and Crystal Palace and fair play to Hodgson as well for putting the sort of silencing the doubters and absolutely to Crystal Palace as a whole for getting out of that relegation battle because I do believe they're officially out of it now. Yeah, the year is 2045. Fulham decide to go to Hodgson to try and save them on the last three games of the season. And I bet bet he's still wheeling it out and still doing it. Okay, so now the bottom uh, seven. Sorry, the bottom eight. It's from position 13. So I'll give you them. Um, I'll give them all to you, games played and points, and then we'll discuss our three favourites for the drop, I guess. So we have Wolves, 31 played, 34 points. Bournemouth, 31 played, 33 points. West Ham, 30 played, 31 points. Leeds, 31 played, 29 points. Everton, 31 played, 27 points. Forest, 31 played, 27 points. Leicester, 31 played, 25 points. Southampton, 31 played, 23 points. So you can tell not too much there um, to separate them, although definitely starting to look a little clearer than it was in previous weeks. Wolves are 11 points above uh, Southampton now, despite having played the same amount of games. So there are little gaps closing up. Southampton on 23. To get out of it, they would have to get five points because of their goal difference as well. So there are small gaps opening up. Do you, do you want, maybe want to start there? Who you think is going to finish 20th? Yeah, you're right. I think if we had had this conversation even a week ago, it would have been much more competitive and there would have been a few more teams in that conversation. Um, in terms of 20th, I think it's nailed on at this point. I think earlier in the season, whenever they did get rid of Ralph Hasenhutl, um, we questioned the appointment of Nathan Jones um, quite a lot and were proven correct in that statement. And I think Southampton for not acknowledging the quality manager that they had at that time, who was working with limited resources, have understood the issue with sacking managers unnecessarily and undeservingly, and they will be finishing in 20th place this season for me, um, which is an incredibly bad, uh, obviously, position for them to finish in with the amount of time that they've been in Premier League in recent years. It is. I actually don't know if some of their business in the summer kind of resigned them to it. They spent about 50 million and people were like, ooh, but 50 million isn't a lot of money this year, uh, this time. And the kind of signings of someone like a Lavia, of a Bazunu, they struck me as even if they go really, really well, because they're just, they are young and experienced pros, that they're trying to get them so that they're ready for a championship season rather than they're necessarily preparing for a Premier League one. Yeah. But yeah. But I think that's I think that's been the case for years at this point with Southampton. You look further back, you look at Aribo, Adam Armstrong, Che Adams. Um I don't think any of these sign ins were going to push them into the top ten in the Premier League. It was always gonna be a relegation battle. 
and it was always going to be players who they thought they would probably keep hold of if they went into the championship. The funny thing is, you've talked about Bazunu and Lavia. If they drop into the championship, those two are gone in a heartbeat. Um, but they'll have made a significant profit from those signings potentially. So I think Lavia maybe. I struggle to see that with Bazunu. I think he's got the worst save percentage in the league. Should be. I haven't got the stats, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't Melia. Um, but yeah. We did. I'm relatively confident again for some reason, but um, I think Melier, before saving Firmino's shot late in the game, had conceded from his last 11 shots on target. So I would be shocked if it wasn't Melier based on that stat. But I don't know. I think Bazunu is one over a lot of fans this season, even though they, he has those types of stats. I think how young he is and some of the performances that he's put in against the bigger teams has sort of got a bit of focus on him. Um, I think probably playing the championship would be a good thing, but I think certainly Lavia would be snapped up in a heartbeat by a number of the top clubs. Yeah, fair. Um, and I actually just uh, looked at this. So Leeds have a post-shot XG of minus 11.2, which, fair enough, isn't good. Southampton have minus 14.8, so they've nearly conceded 15 more than they should have done. Obviously, I'm not sure Bazuni's been the keeper every game, but yeah, that's that's not looking good. Yeah, I think he has. I think he's had a good run on the team um, towards the end of last season. Hassan Hoodle ran out of patience and confidence with the likes of, uh, oh, was it McCarthy? Um, yeah, but, McCarthy, Forster. Yeah, Forster's obviously away at Spurs, but I think it was McCarthy who played with the hamstring injury and, and that sort of did his time at Southampton. But I agree. I think that they'd probably be one of the best prepared for instant promotion again because I don't see a lot of their players being bought or snapped up in a heartbeat. Um, their fullbacks, Livermento and uh, Walker-Peters, will, will definitely be looked at. But in terms of the relegation battle this season, yeah, I think they're, they're destined for championship football next year. Yeah, fair. So 19th place. Uh, currently, we have Leicester on 25, uh, Forest and Everton both on 27, and Leeds 29. Probably seem the most gettable. Uh, who do you think is going to finish there? You look at Leicester based on form, but you also think that out of those bottom six, out of the bottom five, really, clubs, um, Leicester probably have the most potential to go on a, a really good run based on the players that they have. Um, Will they do that with Dean Smith? Have they had enough time? I don't know. I think everything's pointing to them finishing the 19th, but I'm going to go a bit different and say that Forrest are going to drop into 19th between now and the end of the season. Okay, nice. Yeah, one thing I would say for Leicester is the next four. So there was a lot of talk about why they didn't do it over the international break. To be honest, that does look bad when you look at like Palace, for example, as a compare. But Leicester Wolves, Leeds Leicester, that could be a huge game. Leicester Everton, Fulham Leicester. So if you could, if you're Leicester and you could get six to nine points, potentially things are looking a lot rosier. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I said, you, when you've got the likes of Madison Barnes, even some of the attacking talent, if they can get Ian Acho in a bit of scoring form, um, something like that could add something significant to the squad. So. They have the players to be able to go on that run. It's whether they can get that bounce from Dean Smith 
and whether they can keep enough clean sheets between now and the end of the season. Obviously, the goalkeeping position changing it with you know ten games to go effectively from Danny Ward to Iverson probably isn't ideal for the confidence levels in the defence, but that's where they're at. And I do think they'll pick up a few wins, and I think they'll maybe get out of the relegation battle. Um, but it's so difficult to say. I think that they're definitely one of the ones fighting for their lives. But I think that Forrest are on a have less goals in the team um, and will have a tougher time in the fixtures remaining. Okay, fair enough. Well, purely to be contrarian, I am actually going to say Leicester are going to go down. I, I actually kind of agree. Maybe Leicester are the one who go down in 18th or 19th. Um, but yeah, Nottingham Forest. I'm just looking at this now. Uh, have a couple of winnable games. So they play Liverpool next, which is an easy three points, as they proved <laughs> earlier in the season. Uh, they have Chelsea away. Again, easy three points. Um, but yeah, they play like Southampton at home. Uh, Brentford, Brighton. It's kind of a nice t- time to be playing those teams. So yeah, I am actually going to put Leicester second bottom. I'm not enthralled, as I don't think any Leicester fan is, by the appointment of Dean Smith. And yeah, if, for example, they lose away at Leeds, I think that consigns their fate maybe a little bit. So, see, I, I, I actually think if you look at the fixtures that are come that are left sorry, in the season, I think Leicester will, will get 10 plus points out of those games. Whereas I think with Nottingham Forest, they'll struggle to get above four or five, which is why I placed them in 19th. But we'll not debate it. It isn't a debate. It's a, it's an opinion piece. So I'm very happy with your take. The Leicester will, will finish in 19th, but I think they, they might escape it. Yeah, and, and it's certainly not unfair. I think you're living in 2018, but you know, um, <laughs> it's, it's all a good discussion for the pod. Finally, the last relegation place, 18th. Who is officially going down? Who are you hanging your hat on? Who is your prediction, as you predicted, like Qatar will win the World Cup? <laughs> Simply didn't. Um, but I'm going to go Leeds. I'm going to go Leeds to drop from 16th to 18th between now and the end of the season. I think they've got tough fixtures, competitive, but tough. Like they could go to the likes of Fulham, or Leicester and Bournemouth and take points but I just don't think they have that momentum um, I, I think Javi Gratia did a great job when he first came in but it's starting to look a little bit you know they're starting to look very open again like they did under, did under Bielsa um, I don't think that their defence has enough to be able to hold enough clean sheets against those types of teams to be able to get the fixtures and get the wins that they need and then the last four are horrendous for them with City Newcastle West Ham Spurs all of whom will be fighting for something, whether it's West Ham to get clear of the relegation zone, City to win the league, Newcastle for top four, Spurs for potentially top four as well. Um, so I, I could see them losing all of the last four, which going into the final games of the season with that lack of momentum, that puts you in trouble. Yeah, that's fair. I think Leeds, Leeds were definitely the other one I was looking at. Um, yeah, in bad form. And yeah, certainly looking very leaky. That goal... Goal difference is getting worse by the game as well. But, again, we like to be a pod who spread our options. Uh, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say Everton. Now, the reason for that, because often Everton are looked at kind of a team who are are too good to go down, but obviously they had their run-in with it last year. 
But Everton are a team who are pretty abysmal away and pretty good at home. And their home games, unfortunately for them, are Newcastle and Man City. And then they do have Bournemouth on the last day of the season where potentially Mm. they could get three points there because Bournemouth, again, actually... Now we're kind of revising this and going for teams in the last in the uh, bottom five. Bournemouth kind of deserve a huge pat on the back for getting themselves seemingly out of it. I don't think they're safe yet, but <clears> seemingly <throat> out of it. So yeah, Everton, I expect will sink a bit in the next few weeks. And yeah, that potentially could cost them because I feel like an Everton who need to go out and win games rather than potentially get draws as being good enough for them. That's the prospect that I don't like the look of for Everton because their striking department just isn't there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Everton will be closer within it. I think it'll come down to the last day of the season between Everton, Leicester and and Leeds. And I would agree. I think Everton's home fixtures are horrible. Uh, but I think they could sneak a win against Bournemouth the last day of the season. I just think that Dice has enough if you look at their fixture lists and what they've done in recent months. He's been able to get decent results. It's similar to Wolves. He's been able to get decent results against some of the bigger clubs. Um, and I think that they'll get enough draws where they're expected to lose to be able to get out of the battle. What I would say long-term is with the financial fair play issues that they have and the amount of money that they've spent versus the quality of the squad that they have, today and the financial fair play, fair play issues that they have also I think we will see Everton relegated within the next one to three years anyway but I don't think this year is going to be the year that's interesting yeah and I said like they've now that they've started flirting with it it's difficult to get out I think they have the right manager for their skill set at the minute obviously Deitch he knows a few of the players previously as well he's managed to get a bit of a tune out of McNeil which is quite interesting um, but yeah, they they look in trouble to me. And yeah, I don't think there's an easy, easy way to get themselves out of it. They don't. Yeah, like I said, they just don't have a natural goal scorer. Whereas you look at some of the other ones around. Someone who either scores goals or opens up play. And you're looking at a lot of the other guys like West Ham have a Bowen. Um, Leeds have a Nyonto. Forest have a Johnson. Leicester. Madison, I guess, like they all have a clear kind of person in charge of their output, whether it be goals or assists. And Everton, I'm not entirely sure sure who that is, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that's my concern long term for them as well, is I think they could sneak out of the the relegation zone this time around with Sean Dyche being the key attribute and be the key person for them. But in future seasons, when they lose the likes of Onana or... You know, you've seen a significant drop in performances since Decore got suspended. They rely on a handful of individual players to be that spark and be the legs in the team, but they don't have this squad depth to be able to provide for them when they're injured or suspended. And in the future, when they get bought by somebody else, they may not have the financial capabilities to replace them effectively, which is why I see a demise for them in the, in the shorter term. But I think this season with Sean Dyche being their key figure, they could escape it. Yeah, well, that happened to them this year with Richarlison and um, replacing him with Mopai. So it's certainly not unfounded that they will struggle to replace kind of like their stars, if you want to call them that. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know how they they could replace Richarlison's zero goals this season. Oh, that is just... Mopai, but 
such fantastic banter. He's got two in the Champions League. Thank you very much. Um, irrelevant. Everton wouldn't be playing the Champions League. We're talking about Premier League football here. Um, and stats are stats. You have a 60 million pound player with zero goals in the Premier League. But here, probably two yellow cards for celebrating offside goals, which is even better, Pander. Well, Jonathan, you're lucky Liverpool haven't been included in this relegation <laughs> roundup because you managed to get a win last night. I was actually going to put you on support as being on teams who've done very well to escape it. But, you know, there, we, there we, is we, one we're back Richarlison to the day he's not a Spurs player. Nice, which I think could be sooner rather than later once he forces a move at some point. But um, I think there's one one club that, just as you touched upon that, I I would I think Chelsea will finish below Palace this season, which would bring them twelfth, thirteenth, depending on how Wolves finish this season as well. I, like if they hadn't have picked up the points earlier in the season they could find themselves in a significant amount of bother at this point. If you look at the stats, Thomas Tuchel was sacked on the 6th of September, but he still picked up over 25% of their points in the Premier League this year, for this season. And if they hadn't picked up in the first, I think, six games in charge of the season, he picked up 10 points. They didn't have those 10 points. They're right in the middle of the relegation battle. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's news at this point. Chelsea are absolutely awful this season, but they're one who you can expect to come back next year. It's kind of the joy of football, I guess, that it's not just a on-running total. Otherwise, there'd literally be nothing to play for. If you instead of one season, if you like amalgamated it over about five, I think the amount of football fans who would just be not watching football anymore would be ridiculous. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. The re- the reason I flagged Chelsea there was I think we've discussed on the previous podcast. I think they will have a say in the title race, but the amount of teams that they have left to play, obviously they've got Madrid next week. Once they get dumped out of the Champions League by them, they have United at some point, Brentford, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Forest. Then they've got City, Newcastle, Brighton, and Newcastle again. So, or that's Newcastle, sorry, pre-season. Disregard that one. But they've got an extremely tough round of fixtures, which is why I would have said if they had been a few points lesser off, then it would have been a team to watch to see where they dropped into. But I think for this season, they'll be absolutely fine. And with the Todd Bowley money, uh, they'll be absolutely 100% for next season as well. But I wouldn't be sacked to see Lampard go before the end of the season. Uh, I don't know. Just purely because he's a club legend, I just don't think he necessarily do that. Like It's it's really not long to go to the end of the season. I think they just need to crawl over by any hook or crook that they can. Even if it's a matter of you actually kind of officially give the job to one of the coaches behind closed doors, you still wheel Frank out on the touchline. They can sing super Frank and, yeah, just somewhat enjoy themselves for a couple of hours, losing 4-0 every game. Nice, nice. There's a handful of teams we haven't spoken about. Neither of us have West Ham to creep into that relegation battle or relegation places. We haven't really discussed them. They've got a game at hand, which could be crucial as well to pick up a few additional points. But for me, it was the resurgence at the weekend against Arsenal showed the fight that they have. And I think that will be enough just to get them over the line. But we discussed it a long time ago in one of the previous podcast episodes. 
around managerial sackings. And I think we both agreed that Moyes should be gone at the end of the season, regardless of what happens. And I think what they've done in the Premier League season sort of backs that claim up from a number of months ago. Do you see them being drawn into it or do you see them as being safe at this point? To be honest, I think they're safe. I think weirdly, even though they were in a bit of a worse position a few weeks ago, they kind of always have been just because I trust the playing talent. Um, someone like Zuma, I do think, is one of the better central defences in the league. Um, obviously, Bowen, he's got a bit of form back now. He's a pretty good player. Ben Rama, he's probably been their player of the year. I think West Ham, weirdly, and I've seen plenty of videos on why they were the best, one of the better teams over COVID and kind of like the successes there. West Ham play well when they're playing a direct, not brilliant to watch style of football, kind of lumping it further forward quicker. Um, so, yeah, it's not necessarily pretty to see. And then they struggle when expectations are high and they need to play a more glamorous style and get more out of your Paquetas or Skamaka, who was kind of wrongly labelled as a big man. So, yeah, basic, basically, I think West Ham have done exactly what that kind of suggests in that when they were really low and not looking good, they've managed to exceed expectations. But if they kind of get any higher than where they are at the minute, they'll have a nosebleed and revert, um, revert yeah, to expectations. So I think West Ham will be fine. Partly just because four points is a lot. Like we're also not mentioning Bournemouth. We said that we think they're probably good now. Six points with seven games left is a is a big gap, and it's yeah you're looking at uh, two wins minimum to overtake them. And I think some of the teams in the bottom three at the minute will struggle to get two wins. Yeah, I think very valid point. Um, I would agree on West Ham. I think they will limp their way out of it and it's what they do next season to try and get the best of the likes of Lucas Paqueta and Skamaka if he's still there, Bowen Ings um, Emerson who hasn't had a full season as well but you would have thought would have been one of the players who would have exited if they had been relegated, uh, there would have been a long line which might have put West Ham in a bit of trouble but it's probably the season like with Spurs and Kane, this is probably the season where they see uh, Declan Rice walk out the door as well so it's what rebuild do they need to have what manager do they bring in to to form that rebuild or do they stick with Moyes? But I think they will get their way out of the, the relegation zone. Um, but it's still been a, a very, very poor season for West Ham in comparison to what they've done in previous seasons. The other club you mentioned there were Bournemouth. And I think for me, yeah, I think a few of the games, especially the win against Liverpool a few weeks ago, um, the win at the weekend also solidified their survival for me. Um, they've got, in terms of their fixture list, they've got a handful of winnable games. You would expect them that they would need to win one of the games against Southampton and Leeds to really stay clear of the relegation battle. If they do, then I think they're out of it. If they don't, then they'll get sucked back into it very, very quickly. But what a job Gary O'Neill's done. Um, but also a massive shout-out to the recruitment team and what the recruitment side of things have done in January. I think their signings have went down, went under the radar quite significantly um, in comparison to some of the other clubs that we've spoken about in recent months. Hey, I shouted the... them out. I shouted them out last week or a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Utara you and Sinesti being fantastic buys. You did, but it's more so in the, in the wider, sort of more open media. Um, I mean, even if we look at 
Otara, I think he was playing in the fourth division of French football last season. Like the job that they've done probably just behind Brighton this season in regards to the scouting department, but it's not being talked about as much as Brighton because Bournemouth aren't quite clear relegation yet. But I think in hindsight, in review, a lot of the bigger media outlets will be discussing Bournemouth's recruitment being a, a vital part of, of their survival this season if they can get it over the line. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see what else they could do because I think next year, now that some of their talents potentially get kind of scouted or, um, yeah, they need to try and survive and look at the picture from a whole season rather than kind of just what they can do in January. I think it'd be really interesting to see, yeah, what they can do and how they don't suffer second season syndrome. So, yeah. It's whether they can keep hold of the players that they have as well, because some of the players that they have, you look at Dom Solanke, I think he's got over 10 goal contributions this season, but he's just been an incredible outlet. He's probably missed a handful of games through injury and suspension or whatever it might be, but I think he's he's the central point for Bournemouth to be able to build upon. And I think we talked about potential signings in January. I think he should have been someone that Everton looked at because he would have been the perfect outlet for the players that they had. And I think he would have been a great player for Sean Dyche. But he's been absolutely crucial in getting Bournemouth out of the, the relegation fight, I think, at the weekend against you guys. I think he was involved in all three goals. Um, certainly his, his goal, and he definitely got at least one assist, but I think he might have got a second. But I think he's been crucial and will continue to be important for Bournemouth in the next few seasons, if they can keep him. Uh, he did do exactly that, to assist one goal. He is the best player in the world right now. Um <laughs> We'll take that on a on a one game basis, but he currently is the best player in the world. So, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think Solanke's he's he's not bad, but yeah, um, slight bits of fitness um, maybe limit him. He he certainly doesn't look like the player he looked like he could have been when he was scoring all those goals in Chelsea's youth teams. Yeah, that's fair enough. Do you want to talk about Wolves? To be honest, not really. I think they're probably clear. I think Wolves are such a fucking boring team. Um, Diego Costa getting his first goal in the Prem since 2017 was, I guess, the one interesting thing from their their thing at the weekend. I think Wolves will scrape either a, a win or two, 1-0 or something, or a couple of draws, and they'll be good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think with Wolves sort of touched upon it and alluded to it earlier, they pick up results against teams you don't expect them to pick up results against. Obviously, they saw, you know, they beat Chelsea at the weekend. Um, they beat Tottenham a few weeks ago, uh, as I probably don't need to remind you. Uh, they beat Liverpool, battered us in February as well. Just we weren't in overly bad form at that point, but I think they'll they'll pick up enough results to get out of it. It's just, what can they do for next season? Lopetegui's been an absolutely incredible appointment since he came in when they were they were bottom of the league, I think, at that point. They and, were, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what a job he's went and done in the background. Some of the signings have been really shrewd from the likes of Craig Dawson to, you know, Sarabia and Matias Cunha as well in the summer, especially Lamina, I think, in, in January, sorry. Um, Lamina was a really, really smart signing just to provide them with the extra legs in midfield. It's more so what can they do to build upon what he's done so far, and it's once they survive, which we expect them to do, or they expect it to be top 10 
team next season. Because if they are, then there's a long list of clubs that we probably expect to finish in that top 10 for next year. Yeah, I think uh, top 10 would be certainly a great achievement. Although not without its um, predecessors for Wolves. Obviously, um, under Nuno, they got a bit of European football only a few years ago. So let's move on from the Prem because we have picked our uh, candidates. We will reaffirm them at the end of the show for everybody. Um, and you wanted to talk on La Liga quickly. Yeah, I think we decided we we're going to pick one other league to push our listeners to go and have a look at um, between now and the end of the season. For me, when it comes to the relegation battle, La Liga is one that everybody should be looking at at this point. You look at the likes of potentially Valencia and Espanyol to, to be going down at this minute in time in the relegation zone. Elche are absolutely confirmed on 13 points. Horrendous derby-type season for them. But to think, especially in my lifetime, to think when I was a kid growing up that we'd be looking at Valencia in the second division of Spanish football and Espanyol as well, in fairness to them, um, it's somewhat unthinkable. Obviously, Sevilla got themselves out of any form of relegation battle the weekend with the win over Valencia to push them further down the pecking order. But to think that those two clubs, historical clubs, clubs that we've seen some of the best players in the world come from in recent seasons, potentially end up in the second division of Spanish football would be somewhat unthinkable, but an absolute realistic prospect at this point. Yeah, a, a shocking a shocking season. Bizarre, though, because if you look at their goal difference, for example, it's only minus six. Um, Cadiz and Almeria, who are both ahead of them have minus 19 and minus 15. I think Peter Lynn is quite arguably the worst football owner of all time. What's your take on that? I think Gary Neville set the foundations for the relegation a number of years ago. Um, I think Salford City fans would have a say in whether Peter Lynn is the worst um, owner in club football. I think he owns 50% of Salford City as well. But there's definitely a few other ones that could contend with them, whether we're talking about Mike Ashley or, or Todd Bowley. We've not seen enough from the latter to make that claim. But yeah, I think what he's done to a football institution, which is Valencia in recent years, where they've become uncompetitive, they've become a selling club, um, and they've just been slowly dropping down the division to the point where you know they will have significant fear of getting relegated is... For La Liga, for a league like the Spanish La Liga, that's undeniably bad and unforgivable from a fan perspective as well. Their squad still has some assets in it. Um, their goalkeeper, Marma Dashavili, um, he's getting linked to Tottenham. I think he's out of contract in the summer. Um, but you have like Jose Gaia there as well. You'd expect him to get a move if they went down. Yeah, just their, their squad does contain a really random mix of players, though. You've got Justin Kluivert's there, Edison Cavani, Nico Gonzalez. Like, it's uh, it's a really random blend of players. Um, a handful of sellable assets, potentially. But yeah, certainly, certainly they've uh, got to be looking to try and stay up this season if they can. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But it's one that you should definitely look out for, have a look at, keep an eye on. Because, yeah, you're right, if if Valencia were to go down, there would be some players that would certainly be on the transfer list and available to clubs, but 
they very much lack a strategy where there's you sort of look at them and you don't really know where you would start if you would take any of the players because it doesn't look like a very well built squad. Um, they've sold the likes of Cancelo in recent years and not really done anything to replace them. Obviously, they've had Jose Gaia for years at this point. You know, they signed Gabriel Palista as well, but yeah, it just it just from the outside it looks like a complete lack of strategy and focus, and it looks a wee bit all over the place. So we'll wait and see what happens, but. To think that then we haven't really spoke about Espanyol, who are a massive team in the La Liga as well, could potentially go down also. Um, but it's one division that I will certainly be keeping an eye on, and I would recommend that everybody else does too. Definitely. And just to finish off on that note, the one Valencia saving grace is that they play Elche next. So the derby of La Liga, um, only on 13 points, they have them up next. So potentially that's three points and the start of, yeah, a more prosperous season for Valencia. We'll see. We'll see. What what division will you be keeping an eye on and, and what would you recommend people watch over the next few weeks? Yeah, so mine is the Bundesliga. Um, always a fun league. Traditionally, one of Europe's top scoring leagues, certainly amongst the top five. And I just really like what they do with their relegation. So... Uh, for a start, it's an 18-team league, so we're far closer to the end of the season. So 28 games played for all the teams in the league. It's only a 34-game season. But what they do is the bottom two go down and are replaced by the top two in the league. And then 16th place play a playoff against third place in Division 2, um, which I just think is actually a really fun way of doing it and maybe something the Premier League should look at in future seasons uh, just because... Yeah, turnover in the Prem can kind of play financial havoc with teams. Um, yeah, certainly the long-term long term safeguarding of clubs will be important. So the bottom two, I actually expect to kind of remain as they are. Huge teams, if you look historically. Hertha Berlin, 28 games played, 22 points. And Schalke, 28 games played, 24 points. Um, you then, in this current relegation playoff zone, you have Stuttgart, 28 games played, 24 points. Um, and then just above them, you have Bochum on 27 and Augsburg on 29. So I think Bochum and Stuttgart will actually switch. Um, I think Stuttgart have quite a nice team. Um, certainly some of their recruitment over recent years has been pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like what they do. Um, and do you think that's something that we could see come to the Prem in the future? It could well be. Um, it's difficult to see them taking away the playoff type of structure that they have in the championship at the minute. It could be the point where they, they limit the playoff divisions. I don't know, to, to have third and fourth play a playoff final and then the winner of that play against third bottom in the league. I don't know, but the playoffs seem to work quite well in the English football divisions. But I do like the concept that you have one more shot at, at making it work. And I think for... You know, one of Schalke, Stuttgart and, and Bochum. It'll be an interesting way to see if they can stay in the division that way. I think, yeah, we'll see Hertha Berlin go down. I'm in agreement with that one. I think it'll be even bigger pinch of salt at, for their fans, looking at how well that Union Berlin have done this season um, within the league and European football. So, yeah, another one where we'll see a few massive clubs be relegated to the second division, second division in German football, and they'll be... They'll have a number of other clubs in there that they'll be joining alongside there. Um, so the second division of German football will be quite interesting with the number of squads and teams that are in there. But 
to see potentially Hertha Berlin, Schalke and Stuttgart be relegated um, is somewhat, again, unthinkable, but an absolute realistic prospect at this point. Yeah, and if Stuttgart do go down, expect Borna Sosa, my boy. Um, I'm going to call this now Man City. £12 million, pounds, he's going to go to Man City. Um, I I disagree. We'll make it, We'll do another podcast around rogue transfers that we see happening this summer. Random shout to Man City, Rico Henry. What? Oh, okay, yeah. Got you. Um, but we'll tease that out. Well, consider myself teased and now uh, ready for that podcast. Um, yeah, do you know what? I actually, I did actually have a think about him the other day. I can't remember. I have to dig through my thoughts on who I thought Rico Henry would be a good move for. But yeah, I actually expect him to move this summer as well. Um, because yeah, I just think he's good. English tax, various different reasons. Um, but yeah, I don't. I certainly don't hate it. But he's no, he's no born Sosa. So that concludes kind of a bit of a look at our relegation zones. Um, we covered Spain, we covered Germany, and obviously mainly the Premier League today. John, just for our viewers at home, remind us who your bottom three were for the Premier League. In 20th place, I had Southampton. Next, I went for Nottingham Forest in 19th, and then I went for Leeds to drop into the bottom three and finish in 18th this season, meaning the, the great escape for Leicester, and for Everton. Nice. So I went for Southampton in last place. I went for Everton in 19th. And I went for Leicester in 18th. Sorry, I just had to remind myself what I actually voted for because when you gave your picks purely to be contrarian, I completely changed mine. Um, <laughs> we love the adaptability on the podcast. So yeah, I think I think it'd be interesting. Um, fancy a wager on this? Fancy a fiver? Why not? Yeah, may as well just call it a pint at this point. But yeah, get us called a fiver. Pints in Belfast. I think that's about a half pint in London these days. Yeah, fair enough. Pints in Belfast. I'll get you a pint and a shot here at some point. Um, but yeah, let, let's call it. Let's call. We'll we'll discuss it. But let's call it a fiver at this minute in time, and go from there. But I, I'm. It'll be interesting to see how the season plays out. I think there'll be a lot of twists and turns before the end of the season. But um, one thing that's definite is that you know we will be covering it. We'll be talking about it every week. And please do like, subscribe, follow us on socials, follow us on wherever you listen to your podcasts, and make sure you pick up all the new episodes every week. Hundred percent. And if any viewer at home does want to suggest in a episode um we're actually filming in person next week so we'll be doing three or four episodes so if there's something that you want to hear about um potentially more on kind of like the banter scale of things i think would be great as well uh please do let us know via our tiktok or via our instagram um because we'd love to hear your suggestions as ever john thank you very much for your time this morning and i will catch you very soon you too rob Brilliant. Chat soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.